0: This is the Servers Radio Network. Welcome to this edition of A Servers Journey with Rocky DeStefano. Hey Larry, how you doing today? Fantastic. It's good to be back in the new year.
1: It, it is. And I want to thank everybody uh, who's listening. Um, and we love the fact that you're wanting to walk this journey of leadership with us. As always, we talk about the premise of this show, is that everyone is leading somebody or something. You could be a parent leading a family, a coach leading a team, a team member leading a few, or a CEO leading an organization. Honestly, we're all on the same path of being a leader, and thus the title, A Server's Journey.
0: And we just want to have a little fun here because... Okay, let's do uh, it. You know, Sean blackburn was supposed to be with us today yeah oh good sean sean's here sean's here today gone tomorrow you know
1: sean is a very important person who has better things to do (laughs) than spend time with larry and i
0: what (laughs) what he's turning his back on us that's what he's doing
1: now he promises to be here next week for our next next show but you know
0: okay well, promises, promises, promises. promises right. Yeah. Well, listen. Uh, I understand you've you come up, you came up with a theme here of what we're going to be talking about for the next couple of weeks. Yeah.
1: So you know we we talked a lot about what it means to be a personally be a servant leader, and that's wonderful. Um, but I think what I've noticed is you might be doing your best to become a servant leader, and then realize the organization that you're in the existing organization isn't very service orientated and maybe you know maybe you're dealing with a lot of people that you hired pre your you know change mm-hmm. your uh you know rebirth as a servant leader and so we're going to be talking over the next several episodes about how do you get now now that you've changed how do you get people how do you hire talent that maybe already have some service attributes, some service desires. Or maybe even the people
0: around you that you're working with.
1: That's right. Yeah, because hopefully what you'll find is everybody in your organization can either get on the train willingly and, and happily or get on the train over time. Sometimes you got to stop off and and you know ask one or two to leave unfortunately but
0: <laughs> I love your philosophy there but right. it's it's good for the team it's good for them cuz they're not they're not productive in what they're doing and they're probably yeah,
1: and they're not going to be happy in that right. kind of organization but you know of course you always do your best to try to keep them on the train right uh, but you know and inevitably you're going to have to let somebody go and so when you're looking to hire fresh talent you don't want to hire the same person. You want to hire a person who's already got these attributes.
0: Fantastic. I want to hear more about that. But first...
1: We have uh, Epic Moments in Leadership. Is that true, Larry?
0: That's true. All right, let's do it. Epic, epic Moments, moments in, leadership. in Leadership.
1: So, when I think of game chang- changers, Larry, I always think of Michael Jordan. Now... I'm a big LeBron James fan, too, I have to admit.
0: Well, he came along a little later, didn't he? That's right, he yep. did.
1: And there's always going to be the, the argument of who's better. But I don't think anybody could say that Michael Jordan wasn't a game changer. Right. And it really came from two things. First, uh, when there was uh, time for only one shot that had to be made, his teammates knew that Michael was going to make it. Right. Which was pretty pretty amazing. You know, it's different – when you're confident in yourself, it's even more amazing when your team's confident in you.
0: Right. Now, you know, I was in Chicago at the time. The the Bulls were, were exciting like that when Jordan was there. That's right. And he was exciting to watch. He was unique because even in, in the middle of a game, he could shift the momentum yeah. simply by his attitude, yeah. his skill, and his leadership.
1: Well, I think that speaks to the second part, Larry, because we mentioned that. The first thing was his teammates wanted him to have the ball. But even more importantly, in that same situation, Michael wanted the ball. Mm-hmm. He had the confidence that it takes to make that big shot.
0: And, you know, at times, he would actually pass the ball to the little guy. And I can't remember the little guy's name. You remember him? The um, I little white guy. It's, yeah, uh, he's yeah. the coach of the Golden State Warriors. Right. You know, and Steve he, Kerr. Steve Kerr. Steve, yeah. And he made that shot. Right. Yeah. But Jordan had the confidence to pass it off to be a leader, you know, but the defense was always playing against Jordan, so that's yeah, yeah, throwing it off in the other direction.
1: Yeah, I think he had that innate ability to know when to take the shot and when to not take the shot. You know, when the defense was playing him tough and somebody was wide open. You know, I, I think he had a he was unselfishly selfish. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I, I you know it's funny, Larry. You mentioned basketball. I, I just heard Kobe Bryant uh, actually spoke to the Cleveland Browns. Hmm. And they asked him, um, was he being selfish when he took the last uh, shot Mm -hmm. in these big games? And he actually, and I never heard it put this way, but I really admired him. He said, no, I would have been selfish had I not taken the shot. Hmm. And so they said, what do you mean by that? And he said, I was there two hours before every game and two hours after every game taking thousands of shots. In that situation, nobody else was. So, in that situation, uh, it would have been selfish for me to give the ball to somebody less prepared.
0: Well, you know, when I was in high school, the coach would not let us leave until we made 25 free throws in a row.
1: Yeah, I would have never left. Yeah, yeah it was <laughs> I, I was late. The, yeah, the showers
0: were cold by the time I got there.
1: So, Larry, tell us, who, who did this thought come
0: well, from? Well, this came from Philip Cook, who's got a website called Creating Influence and Inspiring Change. He's got some good ideas, so you might check him out.
1: Okay. And speaking of websites, Larry.
0: Yeah. Uh, you know, we partnered with ACS Creative in yeah. developing our website. And when it comes to creating a website, it pays to go to the pro.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And they I can tell you, they do everything. Brochures, logos, direct mail, ad campaigns, websites. And the best thing, Larry, is we always say, they don't, don't play, play games game with, with your, your money. money.
0: Yeah. So contact ACS Creative. That's ACS Creative on the website. That's
1: right. And, um, we we just kind of hit a milestone where we've had about 8,000, a little bit over 8,000 listens. Yes. And uh, we do think that a lot of that came from the website enhancement and oh, being yeah. able to put out a professional product.
0: Thank you very much, ACS Creative. Absolutely. Well, how do you identify and hire servant leaders
1: okay so we're going to talk about that larry again okay. you mentioned how do you how to identify and hire servant leaders which mm-hmm. really should be our goal once we get on this this um Kick. path yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> you know we should path yes that's a very good word
1: so what you what you have to do is you have to start looking for people that during the interview process you, you want to look for people who make service a priority mm. okay um and you want to look for people that kind of have that one for all mess um uh, musketeer mentality without the all for me in return.
0: Mm, So that's what it sounds like.
1: That's right. Yeah. Because, you know, servant leaders strive to do more than your typical Mm do-gooder. And so now you want to surround yourself with people that are just like that. Mm -hmm. So, Larry, have you had any uh, experience with that?
0: Well, yeah, I feel like I've been a team player and I always look for people that want to do it. And I love the fact that you're saying you got to look for someone that wants to be a team player.
1: And and you know what the weird thing too is that, you know, despite all the education that we have now, if you ask many professionals, they still carry around the idea that leaders tell employees what to do, the staff falls in line, and that's the end of it. But that's not the end of it. And I think when you identify and you hire servant leaders, and you also are a servant leader, you're going to see tremendous benefits um, throughout your company because they're going to be dedicated to their mission, the service, and the community.
0: Wow. and, you know, I've I've worked with in one location where there was always someone that had better ideas to come forth, and sure. top management really wouldn't
1: listen. Yeah, that's got to be frustrating. Yeah. Right? I mean, you know, you've got to know, you've got to create a space where it's okay to intelligently and um, positively approach with new ideas. Because I've seen some people that they bring you a great idea, but they're just such jerks doing it, you know, <laughs> and you just right. don't want to hear, you know, you know, the kind of person who – if they're on fire and you've got a bottle of water, you don't want to put them out. You know, you, you know, yeah, I shouldn't say that, but you know, you know how you know what I'm trying to say you, you, you definitely want team players and team players approach with their ideas in the right way too. But man, if they come and they do it in the right way and the, the yeah. our organization won't listen to them, it's a mess.
0: It's a mess. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what are you going to look for? What are right? one of the one of the things? Yeah. So,
1: first of all, you're you're, you're going to look for somebody who's got high moral and ethical standards, mm-hmm. right? Which just kind of makes sense. And you know, you're going to have to figure out. And we'll talk a little bit about this when we talk about our our interviewing at Chick Fil A, that you know, questions that you can ask that that are legal, that maybe you can ascertain whether people have some of this. But mm. but here's the deal: one study indicated that the most important value to make uh, or one of the most important values that makes an effective leader was the possession of a high moral and ethical standard. And that was at like 67%. That was like the number one thing that made an effective leader.
0: Oh, mm-hmm.
1: the, uh, of course, that's followed by things like communicating intent at 56% um, and then thorough leadership leadership feedback and participation
0: okay how do you ask a question do you have high morals and ethical yeah. standards
1: yeah so of course you can't really ask that question because who's going to say no i'm, I'm pretty much a cheese ball you know i mean right. nobody's going to say no i have no morals mm-hmm. but i think what you try to do is you try to get to know them um and you try to create an environment within an interview where they tell you what really makes them tick and you can ask things like hey, have you ever volunteered before? And if you have, what organizations do you volunteer with? Mm. Hey, what are your passions in life? Mm -hmm. Hey, tell me about your family. And you can tell a lot about people. So people that, you know, in general care deeply about their kids or their spouse, um, people that volunteer uh, quite a bit out in the community, uh, people that know what their passion is, they tend to have higher moral and ethical standards. Mm. And, And then, you know, also like, uh, you can't ask about religious um, affiliation, yeah. but but if you ask them about their passions and they say, "Oh my gosh, I go to synagogue every Friday," or "I go to this is my church,"
0: like off the cuff, yeah, that, that guy comes yeah. in. Well, of you still
1: know that they're they're at least at the very least trying to live some sort of moral life. Yeah. You
0: know? Now, do these attributes uh, create a sense of trust in the establishing a safe work environment?
1: I think that. That when, when this type of environment is in place, uh, everybody feels safe, employees relax, and also neuro- neurologically, their brain's capacity for creativity and innovation, ambition, and social engagement are more likely to fire. Hmm. People tend to be a lot more creative and innovative in a safe space because they're not second-guessing, um, hey, am I going to get in trouble for this? Mm-hmm. You know? Uh, but, uh, you know, again, a, a lot of this really starts with high moral eth- ethical standards, um, communicating clear intent, et cetera.
0: So does a leader have the door open? Is it like an open door <coughs> policy?
1: Yeah. Um, service leaders, you know, of course, we're kind of going back into what a leader does. But again, service leaders, they have to say the door is always open and they have to mean it. Likewise, they will not stand for others cheating or taking an unfair advantage And they really, in general, promote hard work and personal effort and not perks like people they like.
0: And sometimes hard work is not really that hard. It's doing something that gets a job done. That's right.
1: But then again, uh, you know, or maybe I should say in addition, they're not going to stand for harassment. And um, they're going to kind of create that environment that's safe. And it's going to attract people then that want to stay. And these people that want to stay will have high morals. and, And, and And
0: that all works together. Yeah,
1: yeah. Yes, because you, you're creating an environment where your team is willing to take risks and and then they know, they trust that the service leader is going to be good with
0: that. Yeah, but if you take a risk, you're not going to be shot down or at yeah. least you're encouraged to do something.
1: Yep. Okay, and then, Larry, the second thing I would say is that you're looking for somebody who has um, – and. An expression somehow of empathy, and who seems to be emotionally intelligent about others.
0: Hmm. Now, how do you see that when you do an interview?
1: Yeah, so uh, you know, again, if, if if you ask somebody, hey, uh, you know, what's your passion, and they talk, uh, they go on and on about how, oh my gosh, I love kids. I volunteer at this uh, organization, or oh, I'm i I'm, I work with this nonprofit that um, helps rehabilitate homeless people that have you know addictions, or Oh, I, I volunteer every Thursday at the um, South Lake Animal Shelter. In other words, when, when they start, like, you can tell if it's just their stick or if they're really passionate, if they're really empathetic toward others and maybe people that are less fortunate than them. Mm. And then also, you're able to follow up that where you can ask them questions specific about um, are they emotionally intelligent? So, hey... <laughs> Have you ever had an issue where maybe you didn't agree with somebody at one of your volunteering or at a previous job? Talk Mm. to me about how you got through that. Mm. But what you're trying to discern is, you know, is this person empathetic with the plight of others? And are they able to be emotionally intelligent and get through um, any kind of argument that might happen?
0: So what's what's important here is you're seeing people that you're going to be hiring. Yeah, But these are people that maybe become the leaders, yes. the servant leaders that you're looking for to grow the organization.
1: Yeah. Well, and, and again, service leaders, so we're going to focus on sharing and understanding the feelings of their employees and mm-hmm. their customers. But when you hire in people that are already expressing empathy and emotional intelligence, they're going to do the same thing within your organization. And like you said, they're probably going to be somebody that could in the future become leaders themselves the
0: the leader and that's what we're looking for yeah
1: because you know this you know this attributes empathy and emotional intelligence it really allows um, people to kind of approach situations from a place of trust there's that word again and build strong relationships with other employers and um, allows them to kind of give people the benefit of the doubt It, it really gets down to they seem to be better at trusting that the intentions of others stem from a good place and not a bad place.
0: Now, I knew someone that always thought that they were going to be the leader to start with. But how do you transition someone from being on the bottom to the top? How do they? How do you see that growth? Uh,
1: you know, I think some people, honestly, you know, every once in a while you'll find a person who They just have it. They're just a natural leader. Mm -hmm. And with them, you're kind of more just uh, trimming the tree a little bit. In other words, they already have the leadership ability. You're just kind of shaping it a little bit. Mm -hmm. But I believe that even people that aren't naturally gifted as leaders can develop into solid leaders. And I think it's just you give them a little bit. You see how they do you have constant uh you clearly communicate uh, you know the goals and then you have constant feedback sessions where you share with them ways that they can improve
0: when you're hiring someone from very young or even the i know you hire people that are mature in age but do you see them as coming in and working to be in a leading position i mean because you've got to have workers someplace yeah so you you,
1: you you know you kind of gauge the person some people you know hey um, they come in, they want a job that's it they the, they just want to work, come in, do their you know do a great job, and then go home and that's okay. Some people are not risk takers, some people like comfort,
0: but that's a good service
1: absolutely and and you and you need those people, but then you can normally tell pretty quickly if somebody has um a goal to be a leader
0: because mm. they step up they have ideas right they come to you, yeah,
1: but you know when when you're looking at your, your team, and when you're hiring for a good team, I, I can't stress enough that a highly developed emotional intelligence. This ability is probably the it, it's one of the most lacking in society today, but it's one of the most important because these people that are emotionally intelligent, they're, they're uh, emotionally intelligent. They're they're able to accurately sense others' emotions. They're able to kind of self regulate their own. You know, vo- vo- uh, voice and tone they're able to encourage people when they need to be encouraged and they kind of help create a real positive work environment.
0: Now do you see this starting when you're very young? Where does this start?
1: Yeah I think that um, and this kind of goes back to it too because for my industry I'm hiring a lot of young people and I, I really believe that um, hiring young people it, you naturally get servant servant or people that are attracted to being servants Hmm. for for the most part they haven't been beaten down (laughs) you know they're not as cynical um but uh, you know most of the kids that we see they they demonstrate an uncanny need to serve others um from from their childhood really i mean you know from being uh you know even from their younger days so that's what i would say look for somebody who if they're not young um look for somebody that seems to have an urge to serve hmm Okay. Um, so there's a, a great, sometimes, you know, it's taught, Larry, from their parents. Um, but sometimes it's just, it's an uncanny ability that they have. I mean, you know, from, from, from when
0: they're kids. Well, they see this more than just an obligation to yeah. work.
1: Yeah. And, and, you know, obligation like service as an obligation, it's not wrong. I mean, many people do it. In fact, I think even if you don't feel like serving others... You have to do it as an obligation. As a servant leader, you're not always going to feel like serving, but you have to kind of like catch, you know, get yourself in check and serve, um, even even if it's internally you're seeing it as an obligation. You still have to do the the actions out, you know. Mm-hmm. But um, you're right. A lot of these uh, people, especially if you can sense that urgency to serve, they don't see it as an obligation. Ah. Uh-huh. So, um. These efforts, Larry, um, you know, if you can find somebody with a real urge to serve, they tend to, um, you know, stem from the urge itself and not obligation. hmm um, Many teens, you know, f- growing up, um, they face difficulties, difficulties. Um, you know, sometimes they have trouble developing, follow through, et cetera, et cetera on an action plan. Mm-hmm. But but for uh, an org- organization that's really a service organization, or if you're trying to create that culture, you have to find purpose-driven and meaningful service unto others. Uh, that's more than just a requirement.
0: Well, you went through that as a child. I mean, as a yeah. kid, as a teenager, right? Yeah. Adolescent? Are you qualified to be an adolescent?
1: I'm not an adolescent any anymore, anymore. but, but you yes. kind of went through that. Yeah, I absolutely
0: did. But you found a organization that helped you become a better leader.
1: Right. I think that I always had the urge to serve others. I think I, you know, as we talked about, I sometimes had trouble with follow-through or um, my urge to serve was based on how I felt at the moment. When I got with Chick Fil A, I was able to really see that no, you don't serve, no matter you know it, only when you feel like it. You serve all the time. It's the obligation to the customer who's paying, and it's an obligation to your team that mm-hmm. that you're leading. So they they definitely did a good job of streamlining.
0: So serving today is is an important thing.
1: Yeah, that that's what I would say also when you're talking to people, when you're interviewing people, you want to look for people that are actively serving today. It's different if they said, Oh, I'm 30. When I was 15, I was a boy scout. Okay. That's good, but it shows a pretty big gap. So what (laughs) have you done since 15? Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's great that you had an urge to serve as, as, as a youth, as a, as a young person, but you want to see if their service to others continues to the present day. Um, And you kind of want to ask evidence, you know, Hey, Talk about some of the things that you've done to serve others that's really, really worked. How have they helped um, build a better community or how have you helped the world at large, etc.? So, um, you know, Jake Harriman says servant leaders must put themselves last in order to finish first. Um, Boy, who said that? That was uh, Jake
0: Harriman. Yes, but I believe that came from a spiritual quote as well, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You want to talk about that?
0: Well, he just paraphrased. Yes, yes.
1: Well, of course. I think most most um, wisdom is found in... In the scripture. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Evidence of actively serving the community outside of work will be present for sure in, in most people. Most people can talk about it. And the more they talk about it, the more you can tell that this person is probably ha- has a bent towards a service to others. And if
0: they start young in their youth, they'll probably continue with that, yeah. right?
1: Yeah, somebody who... Had that urge to serve others from when they were um, small or young, um, they tend to have a real depth of you know to them around service to others
0: and with a purpose and a dedication of learning, yeah, and conducting meaningful work to create a positive change. That's right,
1: yeah, and that's hiring managers. You know, we should look for a combination of high ethical standards, Larry, strong emotional in te- uh, intelligence, uh, and urge and evidence of active service unto others. These are people that you're hiring into your organization, but they're also people that in the future could become leadership candidates.
0: And that's what we're looking for as the servant leaders. But I think servant leadership, it sounds like you can start at the youth, you know, when you're young.
1: Yeah, and that's, I think, you know, part of Chick-fil-A's success is that we get to tap into this young group, you know, ages 16, sometimes even as young as 15 to 20s. And they are typically already gear toward this and so all we get to do is kind of prod them in the right direction yeah you know?
0: okay so you're kind of on a hiring uh gig right now right yeah, because yes. you're opening up a second store that's correct yeah and so i guess hiring is really on the top of your mind because you have to hire a whole new store
1: right yeah we're looking for you know to more than double and well
0: by the time we air this yeah, you're going to be open. <laughs> yes, we'll either
1: be crashing or we'll be <laughs> burning. You know. No, so, no, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's
0: possible. Okay, so have you? How's your hiring process been?
1: So we um, have found quite a lot of really good people, um, but sometimes you don't really know. Like you do all these things there. You're looking for people that have high emotional intelligence. You're looking for people with high moral standards and evidence of service. And then you put them in your organization and you see how they work and some will succeed and some won't because all those things could be true, but they might not have the proper work eth- uh, etiquette, mm. or they might be emotionally intelligent, but they might not always use it.
0: Uh, the work ethic. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. Yep. So you've been to a lot of store openings, haven't you? Yeah. Yes. And you see a lot of people start to work. Do you see immediately the people that are, are kind of rising to the top in the servant leaders? Well,
1: so, so, so here's the weird thing about that is that I feel like a lot of times you can tell right away when somebody's really, really good, but you can't always tell if somebody is going to become good because some people, they're naturally a little bit shyer or maybe they're the type of person who they need a little bit more one-on-one before they feel secure in, you know, leading the store or, or, or doing that job. So... Um, it's easy to tell the ones that you think are going to be amazing right away. Um, then there's this whole group that you're like, I'm not sure about them. And sometimes they're the ones that actually surprise you and become the most consistent and loyal uh, servant and servant uh, employees. Would
0: those be the people that uh, Truett Cathy talked about, like the C-grade people? Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah
1: Because you have people that have natural competence and a natural competitiveness, and they're easy to... Spot. Shine, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, they they're, they're going to shine at first, but um, sometimes you know it's kind of like a sprinter compared to uh, cross country. You know, some people are sprinting and they look amazing, but if if you give you know go with the long haul, they can't do it.
0: Well, this is this is one one fantastic uh, conversation talking yeah. here. I agree. I've enjoyed this. I'm looking forward to the next episode when you're going to be talking about hiring the correct people, that's the right. right people. That's right. So yes. that's things that we're going to be talking about in the future, right?
1: Yes, sir. We are. So, Larry, before we end today, yeah. I'm going to kind of put you on the spot because you keep asking me these, you know, you keep playing this game with me. What year was it? Yeah. So it's my turn to ask you. Oh my
0: goodness. Okay. Uh, <laughs> yes. So let's see. So what what are we going to go here? So I'm
1: going to do these one at a time. You tell me if you know and if you don't. Okay. Yeah. So the first one the Italian government says, "Help. <laughs> help. Our, our t- tower at Pisa is leaning." Well,
0: that's that was a long time ago. I don't it's been leaning as long as I've been around. That's so right. I don't know what I okay, I don't I have no idea on that.
1: Okay. So 7 to 1 underdog Cassius Clay who Larry who did Cassius Clay become
0: Oh Muhammad Ali Yes right Muhammad <laughs> <Yeah>. Ali <laughs> take the words but, right on my mouth But
1: here he was still Cassius Clay right. and he defeated Sonny Liston and became boxing's heavyweight champ
0: Okay now this this has got to be in the 80s 80s 80, No 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 60s I'm sorry 60s because I was going to Bradley University and I remember every radio was turned on. It was, this wasn't televised. Every radio was turned on listening to this fight. But I can't tell you what year it was.
1: Okay, so we're going to give you another question. So it's
0: the 1960s. Right. I got that. Okay, am I right about that?
1: Yes, definitely. You're within the right decade. All so, right. Okay, the Beatles do a second live Ed Sullivan show. The performance on TV from Miami Beach's Deauville Hotel. Um, and then later, the Beatles they draw a crowd at a Miami Beach drive-in theater as they watch Elvis's movie Fun in Acapulco.
0: Okay, so that's got to be close to 1960. Oh, and I'm gonna uh, oh, uh, 1965. Is that right? Uh, I'm, am no, I you're close? close? Very, very
1: close. You're starting uh, to sniff the right year.
0: You know, my Beatles story is my next-door neighbor, a kid who was five years younger than I was, got tickets to go see the Beatles in Chicago. And he said, "Hey, you want to come with me?" And I said, "Nah." Didn't, really? Why not? I, I didn't go.
1: Why not, Larry? Why?
0: Uh, I don't know. I just, I, you know, I've got that and Elvis Presley in my. I could have gone and seen Elvis, and oh, I really. blew that one too. So yeah, you
1: did blow it. But, okay. so, so
0: 1965 is not it, huh?
1: No. Okay. So here, here's I think we have one more here for you. Okay. Philadelphia's Renee Kushner, better known as Diane Renee. That's a top ten hit with Maybe Blue, I've never heard that song.
0: I've heard that either. Uh, though I'm, I, I gotta nail this down because Ed Sullivan, the Beatles, that was all like 1964, right? That's am exactly, I right? Yes.
1: yes. <laughs> okay, Woo-hoo! La- okay, Larry beat me at my uh, beat me at his own game.
0: Wait, 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 wait a minute. We got the applause here. Yes, yes, the applause. Oh, Could, come on, my battery's running down. Okay. See, I never,
1: I never got any applause because I never got the year right.
0: So. <laughs> Well, I, hey, I'm sorry. i just like to have fun here. On hey, I'm okay with fun. A but journey. I think,
1: I think you have to, uh, Yes. You, you really should have missed this because just to make me look smarter.
0: Uh, well, but hey, you mentioned the Beatles, and they weren't together that long. That's right. So I, Okay. All
1: right, so well, talk about Larry. Thank we want, Really, we do want to thank everybody for being here today.
0: Yes, I want to say thank you for joining us here on A Server's Journey. And so, Rocky, until next time, I am your ever-faithful companion, Larry.
1: Have I said that you're the guacamole to my taco? Yes. I have, really? Yeah. Jeez, so yeah. my puns are becoming... <laughs> uh, okay, so we're going to We've got to find another one. Okay, you're my popcorn to my Coke.
0: All right. All right. I'll I'll take the popcorn for sure. All right.
1: Anyways, guys, uh, we're all on a journey, and we believe that it's how you serve in that role that's important, and uh, that's why we're going to be sharing every Wednesday a server's journey. So I'm Rocky DeStefano. I want to thank you for joining with us as together we become better leaders.